You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. So, hey, we are continuing in a series that we started a few weeks ago, uh, covering the parables of Jesus. And today we're going to hit a simple, familiar one that has a deep impact, especially if we apply it, because it involves hearing and doing, okay? And um, powerful, powerful truth that are, uh, is represented, several truths that are represented in this parable, this short parable that Jesus taught And this is the parable of the wise and the foolish builders. Okay, and I I know if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this a hundred different times, this story. This is a great parable that Jesus taught. And it's very simple. But it contains, again, some very powerful truths that help us understand what it means to build on the foundation that Jesus has laid for us and how we grow the spiritual house that God is calling us to. And there's a reason why God asks us to do this, to listen to this parable, why Jesus taught it, because there are things that will come against us that will try to hinder and tear down what God is doing in your life. But if we learn and listen to what the the, the Word of God says, what will happen is that we will build our lives into a strong, strong structure, something that the the twists and turns of life cannot affect, all right? So let's read this together. There's, um, it'll be on the screens behind, behind me, but also if you have your Bible or your phone and you read from there, go for it. In Matthew, we're reading from Matthew's gospel, Matthew's account of this parable. Matthew 7, 24 through 27, it says this. Jesus says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. All right, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to do a little bit of art for you. Who said, oh boy? Somebody just said, oh boy. Oh boy. Get ready. All right. This is a, this is a sturdy house right here, guys. All right. Here's the door, the door handle. This looks like something from Dr. Seuss. All right. Okay. Now, this is my rock. All right. Just trying to get better. You guys get it. All right. He is built upon the rock. All right. So Jesus says the wise person is is the one who's built his house upon the rock. The rain comes down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. All right. Second house. Here we go. This house is a little bigger. You know why? Because it's oceanfront property. All right. Boy, and isn't there a tendency to want to build on the sand? I lived in L.A. for five years, and I want to tell you the most expensive property, and it's all expensive, but the very most expensive property, outrageously expensive property, tens of millions of dollars in property, was on the beach. It was on the beach. But you know what happened on the beach every year in uh, Los Angeles on Malibu? You read about it every year, don't you? Is that every year about this time, between December and February, there's a fire. And it's caused because of, a lot of times, negligence or maliciousness, but there's a contributing factor, and the contributing factor is called the Santa Ana Winds. And that is so dry and so arid over there, even though they're overlooking beautiful oceans and they're overlooking beautiful scenery and the sunsets and the sunrises are gorgeous and it's premier property. 
It is one of the most dangerous places to leave. And year in and year out, these houses burn down. And so Jesus actually makes an illustration, and he's talking about this between a wise builder and a foolish builder. And he goes on to say this about the man who built upon the sand. And the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Again, this is a, this is a simple, simple parable, but it does have some deep things that we can pull out of it, because Jesus makes a point. See, both people built, didn't they? They built, and what they're building represents their life. It represents their life. See, if I could say it like this to you, God isn't going to take control of your life until you're willing to submit to Him. And so what Jesus is actually bringing into context here is a very important thing that a lot of times we, we, get, we overlook when we read this parable. Because it's not about the building of the house. And, and, and I would imagine that both of these houses would be equal in comparison in, in, in their, their size and their structure and how, how well that they were crafted together except save one thing is what they were built upon. But the key comes into this is this is what Jesus says is that the, the foundation isn't just about building upon God or building upon God's truth or upon the Word of God, but it involves something a little bit more specific that we have to, we have to recognize, and it's this. It's not just reading the Word. It's not just coming to church. It's not just making those decisions, but what it is is hearing. Because when we hear, we're given the opportunity to do. And this is what Jesus says is the difference. He says, listen, the wise man built his house upon the rock, but what the rock represents is the foundation of Jesus Christ, but not just the foundation of Jesus Christ, it's what the builder did with the foundation of Jesus Christ. Is that he heard and he did what God said. That he listened and his heart was receptive and he had a soft heart to be able to hear God's voice and to follow it. But in contrast, the, the foolish man built upon the sand. And there's no indication of this. See, this, this man heard the word. But it didn't become revelation that he turned into action. And so this is what Jesus says. And this is why this is important, because what this little parable teaches us about something that happens to both houses, it happens in essence to everybody, is that the storms of life come. The storms of life come. And how Jesus explains this is like this. He says, first, the rain starts to come. And it falls on both homes. And the rain in our life represents something. I believe that it represents something. That it represents that sometimes the steady and gentle flow of our life that begins to be overwhelming. That when we don't take inventory of our life and we don't listen to how God asks us to appropriate our time or to what we are to give attention to, sometimes the steady, gentle rain begins to overwhelm us. And what rain does is this, is that rain exposes leaks, doesn't it? 
It exposes the leaks in our, in our home. It exposes the things that are vulnerabilities in us. And so this is the question that I'd ask you when it comes to this, because, again, let me, let me emphasize this, is that the storms come to both homes. God doesn't promise a storm-free life. But what he promises is a provision that protects you from the storms of life. So in your, the course of your week, when, when life begins to, to take its toll on you, how do you feel its effect? How do you feel it affect your peace? How do you feel it affect your patience? How do you feel it affect the way that you love? But most importantly, how do you feel it affect the way that you hear God? Is your life too busy to take time to, to spend time with God? What are you listening to? Is your day, days so blurred and so rushed that there's no time to take time to have a relationship with Jesus? And see, this is the difference. Because the rain comes, but then Jesus says this. The, the streams, they rose. And they began to overtake. See, what happens is that if the rain of life goes unchecked, what happens is it turns into a stream that begins to swell and overtake the property. And you know, unfortunately, we, we know this too well, don't we? We know this so well. We're barely a year outside of a, of a storm that devastated our community. I know that it devastated my home. And we understand this. Harvey was, was, was so deceivious, wasn't it? It even fooled the meteorologist. We were just getting a little bit of rain or a steady rain, but that steady rain didn't go away. And that's what made Harvey so sneaky because it didn't promise uh, category two, three, four, five winds, did it? No, it was just a tropical depression that never checked out. And it stayed, and it just kept raining, and it overwhelmed our systems. And we're not a foolish people, are we? We're not people unaccustomed to rain. We get rain regularly, and our infrastructures and, and the things that are set in place in our cities are sufficient for normal rain, even for swelling rain. But when something goes unchecked for too long, it overwhelms even the systems that you have in place. And this is what Jesus is referring to. See, because the understanding is this, is the man who built upon the rock was built high up. Whereas the foolish builder who was built upon the sand was in low-lying ground. And so when the storms of life began to, they overtook this foundation and began to deteriorate the structure of the home. These are the things in our life that we create no outlet for. We don't, we don't make any margin for in our life. These are things that begin to attack us and begin to plant seeds of doubt, begin to plant lies in our life. Things like failure, things like shortcoming, things that go unchecked. And I want to tell you something. Listen, God doesn't bring this storm. God doesn't bring the swelling river, nor does He bring the wind that blows. It's not God's desire to tear down your house. But what happens is that you can chalk this up to the work of the enemy or you can chalk this up to life. 
And a lot of times what happens when we don't check the things in our life and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with those things, they begin to overtake us and overwhelm us until finally the blow that does it is the wind that comes and devastates the house. And so life has a way of sneaking up on us, and the enemy understands this. And I want to tell you that this is something that God, Jesus, actually just, just categorically just breaks down for us. And he says this, listen, if you check the rain upon the foundation of the truth, and you hear and you listen to what I'm saying, what you're going to do is you're going to have enough grace and strength to begin to create margin and begin to receive and feel my love and to put something in place in your life where you're spending time and you're getting fuel from the right source so that as the streams of life rise up, you're way above them because your joy and your peace are secure because inevitably there will be a gust of wind in your life, something that you did not expect that comes out of the blue that attempts to devastate you. But what Jesus says is this, if you're the person who hears and does what I and how I'm leading you in my love, in my grace, in my peace, in your future, then you're going to rise above that and the foundation of your life will not move, nor will the structure of your life move. That's a pretty huge promise. But Jesus gives it to us. And the key is hearing. I want to talk about how we build this foundation and how we build the structure of our home really quick. Because there's a couple things that Jesus says. There's two contributing factors to the building of our house. Now we're going to talk about how to build the house upon the firm rock of Jesus Christ. Everybody okay? All right. Good. That's a great looking rock, man. All right. Boom. Beautiful rock. So how do we do this? How do we do this? If we know it's truth, how do we do it? How do we build upon the rock of Jesus Christ? I want to talk about this. There's two things that we need. There's two things that we need. First, we need to understand our foundation. And the foundation has been provided for us. The foundation is Jesus. Now, here's what we need to know about this. Is that God has supplied, the first thing is, is God has supplied the foundation in himself, in Jesus Christ. And what's important about understanding this is Compared to the, the foolish builder, the foolish builder is likened to somebody that tried to build upon their own strength, upon their own wisdom, upon their own resource. But when we acknowledge that, that Jesus has provided the foundation for us, this is what we're saying. That it's his love and not my goodness. Okay, I want to explain that to you. Because a lot of times what happens when it comes to growing in the Lord is that we slip out of the grace that Jesus has freely provided us that brought us into relationship and we try to construct our home in our own strength. And this is what I want to tell you this morning is that the foundation is secure, but it is not based on your works 
It is not based on your goodness. It is solely based on His love. It is solely based on His love. He offered it up first. It wasn't something that you or I deserved, but He freely gives it. It's His strength, not our wisdom and not our strength. If, if I could say it like this, there, there have been points in times in my life, and maybe you can identify with this, where I have tried to figure out and tried to fix areas of my life apart from God. That I've tried to rationalize, reason, find out sources to, to, to give me some kind of security or some kind of strength. And what I've found in my life, and, and again, maybe this isn't you, maybe it is, is that when it, it happens when the rain starts falling or when the streams start rising or the wind blows. That I want to take things back into my own uh, sense of control. And this is something that's so um, simple but so powerful about understanding this parable and, and what the rock represents and, and, and the foundation in the foundation of Jesus Christ. And it's this, is that we have to yield control when it comes to building our spiritual house. Why? Because we're not reliant upon our strength. Your strength and your wisdom and your ability to resource your future is just simply not sufficient. What God has called you to, what He's asking of you, and what He's building you into can only be resourced by Him. And so we have to let go. In 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 12, this is what Paul says. He says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anybody builds on a foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Now, I want to explain that to you just really briefly. This is what Paul's saying. He's summarizing this principle for us. Is this is that we can't go back if we're trying to grow in who we are called to be in Jesus Christ. We can't go back and try to do it in our own ability, our own strength. Paul likens it to gold and, and, and valuable things. And what he's saying is this, is that that's our own wisdom, that's our own security, that's our own strength. But we can't go back and lay the foundation that has only been laid one time, which is Jesus Christ. And then he brings out this very powerful truth that has a, a dual meaning, if you will. Because the scripture says this, that it's going to be shown in the day. And if you look in your Bible, that is a, a capital D. And it refers to the, the day of judgment. The day that, listen, we get to heaven and God measures all these things. And these aren't the things that keep us out of eternity, but these are the things that we offer to God and say, God, I trusted you. I accomplished what you called me to do, but this is what I want to tell you concerning the day. And this is what we need to know, and we need to move past some elementary things and understand what the Word of God says. And it's this, is that every one of us is going to stand before God and give an account for our life. And friends, it's not going to keep you out of heaven. But what it's going to be is this, 
Is Jesus looking back at us and saying, I gave you everything you needed to do what I called you to do. But you chose your own strength instead of standing upon the foundation that was laid before the creation of time. And trusting its strength. He didn't stand on me. But the term day also has another implication, if you would. And it's this. It's the unknown day. It's the day, like Jesus said in the parable, when the storms come and the wind blows. And what happens is this. That in both of those terms and understandings is that everything is exposed. Everything's exposed. But I want to tell you something. Listen, even if that sounds harsh or, or, or scary, don't let it be. Because Jesus gave a better way. He gave a better way. And it's putting our trust and hearing him and listening to him and allowing our faith to grow upon the foundation. And that's the second part of the equation. It's how we build our house. All right? And this requires faith. I want to talk about that for just a second with you guys. When it comes to understanding God's care for our life and why he asks us to build upon the foundation and to put our trust, our faith in him, it's from this viewpoint that he understands what you're walking through, that he cares for you, that he's resourced you to accomplish everything that you've been called to and to endure every storm of life with joy. Well, that's a big statement. That's a big statement to say that God has given us everything we need to, to walk through the storms of life with joy. Man, I can't say that that's always been true in my life. There have been some storms that I've walked through that I didn't have joy. Maybe you can identify with that. But I want to tell you, this is what I've learned is that in those storms where I've lacked joy, what's happened is that the Holy Spirit is gently correcting me and saying, Andy, you didn't have a firm enough or as firm as a foundation as he thought in me here. Let me strengthen you. Let me bring you joy here. Even if initially I didn't start off the storm with joy, eventually God brought me back to the place of joy. And here's why. There's nothing in your life that catches God by surprise. There's nothing in your life that you've walked through, no matter how scary, how risky, how big, how overwhelming, that caught God by surprise. He knows. And when we choose to, 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 to come back down into this foundation that, that we have in Jesus Christ, here's what we understand and here's what we learn, is that in those times where we feel overwhelmed, He's able to secure us. That He's able to give us our peace before we lose it. That He's able to give us our future before we, we fret for it. That He's able to begin to process the resource before we have a need for it. Because it's who He is. But in order to do this, we have to make an exchange. That we have to choose to walk by faith and not by what we think or what we feel. And this is where it starts to get a little bit 
tough, isn't it? If we're honest. Because again, the storms come on everybody. And so choosing to anchor ourselves upon the rock of Jesus Christ requires us to build faith, but faith requires an exchange. And what's the exchange? That we have to lay down sometimes our emotions and we have to lay down our strength and we have to lay down our thought process and we have to pick up what God says. We have to pick up the truth of what he's saying about us. We have to pick up the truth of the word of God. I'm going to read to you what Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5. He says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here's what Peter's saying. This is the point of this particular passage, is that we are spiritual homes. If you're walking with God, you are being built into a spiritual home. And what does that mean? That means that when you try to build a spiritual home based upon your own wisdom or the wisdom of the world or what your emotional strength is, it doesn't correlate. If you're being built into a spiritual home, you have to listen to the Spirit. This is why a lot of times that the faith journey doesn't make sense to some of us. Because we sometimes lose sight of that if we're honest, that we, we stop listening to the Holy Spirit. We stop receiving the truth of the Word of God. But what 1 Peter teaches us is this, is that we're a spiritual home, that we're a holy priesthood, that we've been called to offer up spiritual sacrifice to God. And if I'm a spiritual home and I'm being put together by God, called to do what he's asked me to do, then I have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about faith. A couple of key things. Again, this is what we see in the parable. Is that Jesus said, he said, those who hear my words and they practice and do them, are like the wise builder. I want to talk about these three words really quick and what they mean. The first word is this, is hears, because this pertains to faith. And this is what this word means. It means something specific, a specific word of life. Here's why I love this. It's because our faith journey is not outside the scope of relationship. See, God is not asking you to walk by faith blindly. He is lovingly leading you on your faith journey. Do you hear that? See, because this is what this parable teaches us. That when God speaks to us, he speaks to us specifically. If it's through his word, if it's maybe through a prophetic voice, if it's through a worship song, a podcast, a book, he's speaking to you. I, I would love, don't raise your hand, but some of you can identify with this. You've read a book. And it's like, you're like, you found the one person on the planet that gets you, right? You're like, oh, my gosh. I get that when I do Dr. Seuss. Redfish, bluefish. I do want green eggs and ham, Dr. Seuss. That is crazy. Some of you listen to a podcast. I'm notorious. I'm a notorious bragger. 
Like, I will listen to something that has, like, just been like, oh, my goodness. It's like heaven opened up, and I want everybody to hear it. Like, come on. You, this will change your life. And people are like, no, dude, it's not changing my life. <laughs> and what I don't realize is that, listen, that's God speaking to me. I'll read something in the Word. I'll get excited about it. Maybe it will tune up a few people. But, but, but listen, and so this is the point about hearing. This is so important in our faith walk is that God leads us specifically. Man, because He loves you. Boy, He loves you. Right? Come on. Let's wrap our hearts and our heads around that idea. Is that even in our times of need where we feel broken or we feel pushed up against, He is leading you specifically. He sees you. The second is this, is words. And this is the Greek word logos. But this word logos has variants of meanings. And this particular variance is this. It's the, the revelation of the foundation of Jesus. This is something that I want you to understand about the foundation. Again, I want to dip back into this for just a half second, okay? Is this is that this foundation is universal and specific. Okay, hear this, please. Is that this, this is universal in the sense that it's built upon Jesus Christ. It's built upon the truth of who He is, that He has overcome, that He is the resurrection and life, that He has defeated sin, that He has provided all things, that He sits at the right hand of the Father. These things that we know to be true, and it's universal. That's his, that is His authority. That is the security on which you stand. But it is also built upon the specific aspects of your life. And we know that by looking at these few little words. When Jesus says we're building this spiritual house upon a spiritual rock, upon the rock of who he is, and those who hear that hear the specific words that come from the word logos, this foundation. It deals both with the universal and specific aspects of what God is calling you to do. Why do I say that? Why do you need to hear that? It's because a lot of times when we come into our faith, we've been taught wrong things. We've been taught blind trust. And yes, you do have to trust God, and, and that is the word, faith. The Greek word pistis, which is trust. But what you need to understand is that God did not create you to become a robot. God created you in the specificness of who He is and who you are and has resourced everything you need upon the foundation of Himself to become everything that you were created to be. So He is going to speak to you out of the universal truths of who He is, but in the specific areas of what He has created you to be. This isn't a general rock. That's your rock. All right? That's a special rock. So let's talk. I'm sorry. I'm getting into faith, all right? Here's what we need to know. So how do we grow our faith? This is really simple, okay? No, I'm not going to write it. <clears throat> we have to pay attention to what we take in because what we take in will become what we listen to. What we listen to will become what we trust, and what we trust will become what we follow. I'm going to explain each one of these really quick, okay? Here's the process. We have to pay attention to what we take in, because what we take in will become what we listen to. What we listen to will become what we trust, and what we trust 
is we'll become what we follow, what we do. So the first thing about growing our faith is watch what you're taking in. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 22 and 23. He said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus, again, just laying out a a very simple truth. And he's saying this in a nutshell, watch what you look at. Watch what you are taking in. And taking in is not just about your eyes. It's about your ears. It's about what you're surrounding yourself with. The osmosis of your company, even, if you would. And so if you're going to grow your faith and become the spiritual building that you've been called to be, and be people who do what God's asked us to do, to become what God's asked us to become, then you have to watch what you're taking in. This is how you grow your faith. There's a couple of questions you should always monitor about what you're taking in. Is it filled with life? Today, you have to be extremely selective about that. And you have to pay attention. You can't be mindless. And you can't be a zombie in front of the TV or or the the radio or the podcast or whatever it is. Is that you have to pay attention to what you're taking in. And the first qualifier is this. Is it filled with life? Is it filled with life? The second is this. Does it line up with the truth of what God says? Now I want to say something about this. is that you and I need to be in the Word. Because what happens is this, is that there will be countless people that get up and try to align truths or semi-truths or false truths even about the Word of God in with what they're saying. No matter if it's political or if it's social or if it's anything. And you have to be in the Word. Why? Because you can't just believe what you hear. You have to be in the Word and be somebody who is growing in the Word. All right? We have to be in the Word. The third thing is this. Does it put courage in your life? And I understand that this is a huge step, this first thing. But this makes all the difference in our journey of faith is that we have to pay attention to what we're taking in. And too often, like Jesus said, that we're not monitoring this and we are taking too much time and putting too much garbage in our lives so that when the storms of life come, we have nothing to stand on. We have nothing in the tank. But it's simple to change direction. It just comes with an honest conversation to the Lord and say, God, would you help me to monitor the things that I'm taking in because I want to grow into what you have called and are creating in me to be. I want to take in the right things. I want to take in things that are filled with your life. I want to take in things that are lined up with the word. I want to take in things that bring me courage in the direction that you are calling me. And I understand cutting out those things not only takes um, just some interaction with the Holy Spirit, but it takes a bit of courage to maybe stop doing those things and changing some patterns. Changing some patterns. 
Number two, pay attention to what you listen to. Pay attention to what you listen to. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what's the difference between, between uh, pay attention to what you're taking in and then pay attention to what you're listening to? Is it redundant? No. Here's why. It's because listening involves this idea, and this is what we see in Philippians 4.8. When Paul says this, think about such things. That word think is this is the application of meditation. What you think on, what you listen to, you are beginning to allow to be absorbed into you. It is beginning to create a thought pattern, something that will influence decision. And so in our life, what we have to do is that we have to allow the Holy Spirit to do some renovation in our home if we're going to grow in faith. Because there's a couple of enemies of your faith that the Holy Spirit wants to get rid of. Here's some wrong things that the Holy Spirit wants to get rid of. Is that He wants to finally get rid of your past. Your failures and your fears. Friends, we all have a past. And your past may be bad. Your your past may be horrific. your, Your past may be mediocre. Your past may be fine. But I want to tell you something. God is not a God of the past. He's a God of the future. And he's continually pushing us into the future. And one of the biggest things that I see as an enemy of our faith is when we choose to hold on to our past. Now I want to speak to this from a couple of different angles. I want to speak to to those of you that feel like you're still victims of some bad decisions. It's time to let them go. Hello? Hello, Lord? I almost sang an Adele song. For those of you, some of you got it. Those of you who are in that boat, this is what I want to tell you is this, is that you're no worse than Paul was. And Paul had this same discussion, and he actually, by the Holy Spirit, wrote it out for us. And he said this, i gotta, I got to let go of those things that are behind me. I'm not, I'm not moving that direction anymore. I'm pressing on to a high calling of God. Listen, here's, it's just very simple. No matter how bad your past is, and I know that it's caused wounds, and Jesus will heal wounds. And if it's something that you did, this is what I want to tell you is that the grace of God is greater. And the same truth that you can't add to by your own strength, anything that God is building you, is so true about your, your past. It's that God cancels that out. He heals that. He rectifies that. But this is also want to speak to those of you that have been in the church for a long time, that maybe you're stuck in the past in an area of your faith. And I've been in this position too. I realized a point in my life that I was telling testimonies of God's faithfulness from things that happened five, six, ten years ago. And this is what I realized. I was getting stagnant in my faith. I was holding on to the past instead of asking God to stretch me for the future. We need to let go of the opinions of man. Some of you are holding on to big things that God has put in your heart and you're afraid of saying that out loud because it is something that you know you might get ridiculed for. So here's my answer to that. Who cares? God didn't call, man didn't call you. God called you. Right? And it's something, honestly, even as adults, if I can be really honest with you, is that we have to pay attention to because the opinion of man becomes something that is something we deal with. 
Maybe you deal with it in your family structure. You're afraid of saying something because you're going to be ridiculed in your family. But let me say this concerning that. This is the importance of the community, the body of, uh, of Christ. This is the importance of the church, is that we should never be a people that um, our first step is judgment. We shouldn't be a people of judgment at all. But we should be a people of radical encouragement. Okay? We should be a people of overwhelming love. I'm not saying there's not a place to speak truth. But I want to tell you this, that if your primary step is truth, you're out of sorts. Oh, some of you are going, what? <laughs> nope, just listen. Truth has its place in the walk of faith. God is not absent of truth, nor is the body of Christ absent of truth. But what God has asked us to do first and foremost is to love. And the truth comes behind love. That's why the scripture says truth in love, right? All right, so let's keep going. Negative emotions unchecked emotional baggage. God wants to heal us. God wants to break legalism. Legalism and faith can't, they, they'll, they'll, they're enemies. It's oil and water. I grew up in a church that was amazing, but it had a stream of legalism in it. And I don't know when it happened, but I started to slip into the idea that I could be good enough and I had to work harder and I had to be a certain thing. And I want to tell you something about legalism. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to deal with it and to, to clean it out of us, to understand the value and the purpose of grace, the working of grace in our life, the freedom of grace in our life, is that legalism will develop into the opinion of man and will begin to create baggage and will begin to build strongholds. So what we need to do is we need to focus on the right things. We need to listen and take in and meditate on the right things. The Word of God, I already said it, but let's dig in. Let's learn it. Get on a Bible plan. Get on the version and begin to, to get into a simple plan. But listen and hear the Word every day. I want, I want to just take a, a little side note. Justin, you can come on up, man. Is this. Is that version is so amazing because if you don't read, if you're not a good reader, you don't like to read, you can listen to the Word. And I want to tell you that that is good, too. That's excellent. But we need to have the word in our life every day. That's the right thing. We need to listen to words of future and hope. We need to listen to the voice of encouragement that comes in the community. We need to listen to what happens to our hearts during worship. And we need to reflect upon that. This is part of our vision. We exist to set free in our journey of freedom. And it includes this, praise and proclamation. And praise is so important because it puts us in unity. It puts us in unity with God's heart. It causes the baggage of our life to disappear. And it causes the enemy to flee. And so as we create a culture of worship in us, what we're doing is that we are meditating on the right things. We're getting the words of life in us. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The third thing about building our faith into this spiritual home that we're called to be is that we have to anchor our trust. I said this already, but faith, the definition of faith is trust. It's the Greek word pistis. And it means this, to be confident in what is unshakable. If God says it, He will do it. But God's faith is not an obligation to Him. 
God is not faithful because He's obligated to you. God is faithful because He loves you. God is faithful to you because He loves you like a father loves a children, a child. This is why Jesus in Matthew says this. All of you being good fathers, if your son asks for a, a piece of bread, would you give him a stone? No. And in comparison to your goodness, you're wicked to the love of the Father who freely, abundantly gives all good things. And God's faithfulness is not an obligation to Him. It is an act of love. And why is that important? Because when it comes to trust, it is hardwired in our human nature to only trust what we believe loves us. And that's not a good thing. But it's the way that we're wired. And I want to explain something about the heart of the Father. Is that God understood that. And He spanned that gap in behalf of our weakness to prove His love to us while we were still enemies of His. And He continually spans that. And the place of our fears and our inadequacies is that He is faithful. And He proves over and over again that we can trust Him. But trusting God requires two things from us. Is that first we recognize the voice of peace. And if you're going to walk the walk of faith, is that you have got to learn to hear the voice of peace. God will lead you in peace. Isaiah 26.3 says this, the prophet to Israel when they have gone wayward. The words ring true to our soul today. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And when you anchor your trust in God, listen to that voice of peace. When you're making a decision, when you're going through a trial or a storm of life, listen to the voice of peace. And if you cut out those other things that are maybe bringing anxiety or driving you crazy and you stop and you still your heart and you go through that list, is it true? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Does it line up with who God is? Does it line up with what God's saying about my future? Then you're going to hear the voice of peace. But it also requires patience on our part. Because even though God's faithfulness is not an obligation but an act of love, his timing is perfect. And when we walk the walk of faith, we have to understand that our timing and God's timing sometimes doesn't match up. And oftentimes I've found the truth to be this in my life with God's timing, and it's this, is that God's timing is perfect because He knows exactly what I need. And I've walked through storms in my life and I said, God, if you could just take this off of me. Please take this off of me. And there's no relief from that thing until I settle my heart and I begin to listen and I begin to anchor in and trust 
and say, God, you're still putting future in my life. Oh, man. You're still leading me. You're still calling me. Say, God, I trust you. Even in the midst of the storm, I trust you. But I also know that you're perfecting something in me. Because in my life, and I'm just speaking about me, and I'm not imposing this upon any person, but I want to tell you the truth about my life and concerning the storms and the trials of my life that God's led me through is this. When I beg God to remove them, the thing that I fail to see is this. Is understanding the care of the God who is greater than the storms. And I want to tell you something that there is nothing that I would trade or change in my life than that understanding of knowing the God who is greater and loves me, whose love is greater than even the storms of my life. But God's timing is perfect. And everything He's promised to do in you, He will complete. And friends, this becomes your joy. Because you see God working it out. And then finally, be quick to do what God says. This is funny because I thought about this in light of being a father. And this is my famous thing that I say, you probably say too, whenever you get the why back from your kids. Go clean your room, why? Don't do that. Why? Because (laughs) I told you to. Because I'm dad. What honors my heart as a father is this, is when my children, instead of asking why, they just, they do. They do because they know that I love them, because I have their best interests in mind. And in the same way with us, when we choose to be obedient to the thing God speaks, and remember, this is the key of this parable. This is what it comes back down to, but we can't get there without faith. We can't get there without faith. You're not going to blindly do something that you don't recognize as being from God and understanding that you can trust Him and that you can rely upon His love and His care. And God in His graciousness extended all that toward us when it comes to faith, but what faith comes down to is not just hearing, but doing. So when it comes to this, to being people who build upon the foundation that God's called us to, we have to be a people that say, God, I'm going to listen, but I'm also going to follow through. But this is what I can promise you is this, is that if you're starting this journey, God's not going to ask you to hike up Mount Everest. He's going to ask you to take a small step. And that small step may be forgiving yourself or forgiving somebody else. That small step may be allowing Him to deal with some wrong emotions. To letting go one side of it. To dropping some anxiety. But the more you hear God's voice and you know that you can trust Him because He loves you, the quicker you can become to obey And obedience brings the fruit of peace in our life. Obedience brings the fruit of peace in our life. When we obey, we have peace. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you.
I thank you, Jesus, that you spoke to us in simple ways. That you knew that there was sometimes a disconnect in our understanding and the truth of who you are in your kingdom. So Jesus, what I'm, what I'm asking you for every person here today is that first and foremost, that they would understand that you are the foundation that they can trust. Jesus, because you extended yourself and the truth of your sacrifice, you extended yourself and we trust in that. This morning, if you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, then I want to invite you to make that decision to say, Jesus, I believe that what you did at the cross sufficiently covered my sins. Thank you for going in my place. I receive what you did for me. But Jesus, we understand that we see it there, but we also see it in the specific areas of our life. And I pray each person here, which is here, that they would know and understand your great love for them as you lead and guide them into the spiritual house that you created them to be. Father, I pray that as a congregation, each person would grow in faith. That God, that we would trust you, that we would watch what comes in, but we would trust you. That you've seen it, we've seen it in your love. But God, we'd be quick to hear and to obey. That we'd be a people that would dig into the word, that would grow in the word. That would allow your love to grow inside of us. And Father, finally, I pray a sense of future and a sense of hope in every person. Lord, even if their foundation has been sand to this moment, God, all it takes is a, a surrender that says, I want to be built upon the rock and the truth of who you are, Jesus. But I just declare your future over every person. God, that they were ordained from the foundation of this world. Beautiful unto you, God. That you formed and fashioned them in the womb, God. That you knew who they were. That, Father, that there's not one person here who's a mistake or a failure. And so in the name of Jesus, I break all insecurity and inadequacy. And God, we line up with the truth that we are wonderfully created, God, with a purpose and a plan, a hope and a future. And so Holy Spirit, just blow on those gifts, we pray, in each one of us. Lord, those buildings that you are building, God, for your purpose, Lord, to be a reflection of your truth and your love. Lord, blow on those, we pray. And bring out, Father God, the gifts and the talents in the future, Lord, in each one of us. Lord, that we would recognize that through your love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? Thank you for being here today. I want to encourage you to do one thing before you leave. And we'll have some folks up here to pray with you if you need prayer. And let's believe God for big things. If you're dealing with something physical in your body, a sickness, an illness, maybe you got a bad report, we want to believe Jesus for you, for your healing. We want to believe God for you with your healing. 
I'm still believing God for my healing, all right? I'm right there with you. I want to pray with you. Some of you are saying your soul may be crushed, and that's okay because God loves you. He loves you, and he wants to heal you, and we'd love to pray with you. But as you leave today, as we close, I want you to turn to somebody and say, man, I'm glad I am building my house next to yours. We got good property, baby. We got good. You guys always do this before I tell you to do it. Seriously, this is like when we hugged the other week. Y'all started hugging early. Stop. (laughs) You can hug somebody. You need to hug somebody. You need to hug Ronnie Sasser. He needs lots of hugs. (laughs) I love you guys so much, and I'm so thankful for you. And I'm glad here we are building our house together because my house would not be valuable without you. Okay? So, Father, I just declare your grace and your strength over every person. May your goodness and mercy overshadow us all the days of our life, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.